When I was very young, there was a place I would never go. In fact, even the thought of that dreaded place would cause me to panic. Heart racing, hands sweating, pupils dilated, feet restless. All the signs that my tiny four-year-old body was getting ready to fight or run away. And for me, running away has always seemed the smart option. So there was no way I was ever venturing anywhere near that place. That place, that chamber of blood-curdling horror, was my grandmother's backyard. When my family went to visit, my brother and I would be kicked out to play in the garden while my parents supped tea with Nanny, as we called my mother's mother. It was there, in that otherwise perfectly serene backyard in the London suburbs, that my brother, in that cruel way that older brothers can do, introduced me to heart-stopping terror. Tucked away in the corner of Nanny's yard was a small brick structure, the shape and size of Doctor Who's TARDIS. But that was the beginning and the end of its appeal to a small boy with an evil big brother. Because in the twisted, sick mind of Keith, this brick outhouse, yes it was an outhouse, became a box so full of diabolical mayhem that Pandora would have a pang of envy. In a more gentle, peaceful mind, it could have been a prop in all sorts of stirring and wholesome adventures. Aladdin's cave, the galley of Captain Hook's pirate ship, a castle, a fort, even a dungeon holding a princess who needed rescuing. But none of these were as much fun to Keith as the prospect of frightening me out of my Lilliputian canvas sandals. No, that place mutated into the dark lair of flesh-eating creepy crawlies. He said he'd been inside and there was no electricity, just the daylight that crept through the vents in the brickwork. But despite the dark, he could make out spiders. And not just any spiders, but of all the demonic incarnations in God's creation, spiders the size of cows. (laughs) Now being four, I tended to take things rather too literally. I didn't rationalise, wait, how can you fit a spider the size of a cow in there? If there were a bovine arachnid in this outhouse, its legs would be sticking out of the vents in the wall. So I became a believer. Not just in the existence of cow spiders, but in their domicile in Nanny's outhouse. They say that if you look hard enough, you will find a silver lining in every cloud. And so, even though this event has permanently damaged me in ways that good taste prevents me from describing, it did serve a useful purpose. I learnt an important lesson in life. The fear of the cow spider is the beginning of learning to hold it in until you can make it inside to the bathroom. So when I read at the end of this morning's psalm that 
the Lord has pleasure in those who fear him. I'm four years old again, standing in Nanny's yard, trembling before her outhouse. And I find myself hoping desperately that God is not a divine cow spider. Cow spiders are bigger and more powerful than I. I can't outrun them, they have eight legs. I can't hide from them, they have twelve eyes. And I can't defeat them with my four-year-old muscles, they weigh a ton. I can't control them, I can't understand them. Reason says, be afraid, be very afraid. So is this really God, a cosmic cow spider? Well, if you landed here on a flying carpet from the land of fairy tales, you might think so. If you dismounted from your Persian rug and studied the behaviour of some Christians. God, they will tell you, is unpredictable. Like some ogre under a bridge, he may lash out at any minute and devour you. Better approach him when he's in a good mood. Make sure you have not sinned for a few hours beforehand. Then you can hope that he'll be merciful, will remember your virtuous deeds, decide not to grind your bones to make his bread. You don't want Nanny to call you in for tea, and all that's left of you is a smouldering pair of tiny canvas sandals. So walk the steep and narrow path, obey the Ten Commandments, go to church, pray, read your Bible, be kind to people, or you may find yourself in the web of the cosmic cow spider, struggling to get free, but ultimately damned. But what if the good news is better than that? What if the word fear at the end of the psalm doesn't mean what we have in mind when we usually use that word? What if God is more embracing than threatening, more lavish than cruel, more loving parent than cosmic cow spider? And what if Psalm 147 is more love poem than warning? A song of joy composed in the wild, romantic imagination of our divine storyteller. There are two types of fear, and we'll do well to live by the right one. One quivers in tiny canvas sandals, the other strides in noble walking boots. One cowers outside doors, the other marches into the wild unknown. One trembles before a fickle and violent God, the other boldly kneels at the throne of the almighty Lord of compassion. One fear weighs us down, ties us up and seals us in. It's a small-minded and smaller-hearted fear. It hides in the safety of its vault and peeks out at a world where danger lurks at every corner. It plays safe, aims low, shuns risk. Instead of enjoying what it has, it envies what it lacks. Because it suspects that the universe is out to cause it harm, it's mean with its energy, miserly with its money, and too cautious with its heart. Don't spend too much or you won't have enough for yourself. Don't give of yourself. Don't drop your guard. Don't dream. 
People will let you down, rip you off, mess you up. This type of fear has power beyond words. It is a mighty tool in the hands of the unscrupulous. This fear sells. It hawks religion because when we are scared enough of hell, we'll join any sect. It peddles products because if we're afraid enough of our neighbours, we'll purchase any protection. It sells local news broadcasts. Coming up, something that will really scare you and what you can do to stay safe. But first, these messages. It drives us to shun the stranger, avoid the outsider, reject the refugee. This fear smothers our moral obligations so that what we buy, where we worship, how we vote are determined not by the principles of stewardship, grace and the common good but by how we can stay safe in this dangerous world where we may be easily engulfed. This is the fear of the cosmic cow spider and it makes us less human. But there's this other fear. The fear of 147. The fear of the Lord. Read that psalm again at home. How good it is to sing praises to our God. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He lifts up the lowly. He covers the heavens with clouds and prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass to grow upon mountains. He provides food for flocks and herds. It's a sumptuous vision of a lavish God. Here is no cosmic cow spider, but this. The Lord has pleasure in those who fear him, in those who await his gracious favour. This fear is a deep reverence for God and the life he creates. This fear observes the work of this abundant God and discerns his fingerprints in every mountain and hill, each raindrop and sunbeam, each spider and cow. This fear spots God's presence in every human life. This fear is awe, its reverence, its glory, The kind that steals your breath away. This fear swallows you up, not with teeth, but with beauty and glory. In this sense, as you stood at your kitchen sink early Wednesday morning and gazed through the window, you gazed with fear at the super blue blood moon. Can I ask a favour of you? When you're at church... Maybe walking through the corridors, perhaps sitting in the pews, perchance at a meeting in the lounge. Keep your eyes peeled for something very important. I lose it regularly. Without it, I suffer. So do my friends and family members, and sometimes even you do. It's my perspective, and it goes missing sometimes. When it happens, it's usually at night, after a long day of work. Some problems sprout eight legs, grow twelve eyes, start spinning webs. That situation looks impossible to resolve. 
There's nothing I can do to help that person find that solution, crack that code. I can't turn that Bible reading into a helpful word from God for the people on Sunday. I'm powerless to find the right words to comfort the suffering person. And those powerful but only half-true thoughts can kidnap my perspective and fly with it to Bogota or somewhere or anywhere I can't find it. The present then becomes bleak, the future more so. On those nights, I'm four again, standing in front of Nanny's outhouse, contemplating the cow spider. Then my fear is not the beautiful fear of the Lord, the comforting fear of the Lord, the invigorating fear of the Lord, but the fear I'm going to be devoured. And I waste my time and energy asking God to transform those situations, torpedo those problems, change the people or circumstances that are outside my influence. When all the time, the answer sleeps undisturbed within me. The fear of the Lord is the seed of perspective. We can't begin to see our lives as they truly are until we gaze upon God and behold his compassionate heart, his resilient arms and his resolute mind. Revive that vision and I understand that God is probably not going to change those situations, but he will give me grace so I can live through them without becoming dinner for an eight-legged mutant. And acting as a loyal but evil minion in the kidnapping of my perspective is society. And especially our digital servants, or are they our masters? If you have any fragments of perspective left after a long day, turn on a 24-hour news channel and lose it completely. It doesn't matter which one it is. Uh, Just count the superlatives. Something is either the greatest or the worst, the most scandalous or the most virtuous, the biggest or the smallest. Now, God gives us friends, even when we are held in our captivity. And two companions that help us regain our perspective are history and geography. A glance at my personal history helps me see that the challenges I am facing at any given time are probably not the most problematic I've ever faced. And I survived those ones. And similarly, the glories I am now enjoying are likely not the most glorimatic either. And a mental circumnavigation of the globe tells me the same thing. My problems are not as bad as the ones people in other places are enduring, but neither are my joys as great as others. Life is not a fairy story, nor is it a tale from the crypt. It is, by the wondrous gift of God, what it is. And so may you, this week, go to the outhouse. May you face your cow spider. And may you know the fear of the Lord filling you, pumping through your veins, reassuring you of glory as you follow your calling. Amen.